Well, it is really great to be here all together today. And I just want to take a look at you all. Just want to have a look and see if there's anyone here who has real star potential. Because that's what the passage is about today, right? Reaching your star potential. See, look what Paul says there in, to the church in Philippians. He says, if you do blah, 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 jump to the end, then you will shine like stars in the sky. Now, what do you think when you hear that those words shine like stars in the sky or reach your star potential? Well, I did a quick Google search, very reliable as you know, and let me share some of what I found. Being a star takes more than luck. You need to develop your natural talents into skills that will allow you to climb the ladder towards stardom. Here's another one. With hard work, career management, self-promotion, you can give yourself a chance for fame and fortune. Or this is my favourite. Star quality means you have great presence, charisma, a special talent, a magnetic personality, that you are compelling, mysterious, and able to draw people's attention to you. Well, could you be the next big star? Sounds stressful, actually. Like a lot of hard work, doesn't it? A lot of self-promotion and a big dose of je ne sais quoi. You don't, you don't understand French? I think you're out. You're out immediately. All right. You know, this world is full of wannabe stars, pop stars, movie stars, TikTok and YouTube stars, rising stars in the corporate world, the sporting world, the political world. It's not easy to fulfill your star potential. I'm being a bit silly, aren't I? But I really want to make a point that whatever we have learned in this world about being a star, about being a success, is really quite different to what Paul has in mind here. There are a couple of things in common. Firstly, when Paul says we are to shine like stars, he does mean that we're to stand out and to be distinctive, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. And secondly, just like Norma Jean Baker became Marilyn Monroe, or Pete Jean Hernandez is known to us as Bruno Mars, if we're going to shine like stars, we need a new identity. But as John explains in that little reading from chapter one, our new identity is not something that we create on our own. Let's just have a little look at that first reading. John writes, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. If you were here last week, you'll remember that we talked about how we were once people who walked in darkness. But when we receive Jesus as our rescuer and king, we are reborn as John says, or as Paul says in his letters, we are adopted into God's own family. And those images of birth and adoption help us to understand that just as children don't choose or control the families that they are born into or brought into, 
Neither do we join family, God's family, by our own effort or charm. It's by God's kindness, isn't it, and by his grace that we're rescued and welcomed as his children. In this little book um, by Tim Chester called The One True Light, this is the book that inspired this Advent series, um, Tim writes a little story that I thought I'd share with you. He says, I have a friend, Jack, who was a merchant seaman and grew up without any knowledge of God. When his father died, it sent him into a spin. He and his wife started attending church and Jack began to read the Bible. And one day he read Jesus' words, again in John, but chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. They have crossed over from death to life. And Jack thought, oh, that's me. I believe in Jesus, so I must have crossed over from death to life. And funnily enough, his first thought was that he was a little bit annoyed with God because he hadn't involved him in the decision. And Jack could see that he hadn't chosen God, but God had welcomed him. He'd been born not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And I wonder, as you think about your own story, if you can see that this has happened to you. I've heard many stories like this in our church. People moving from darkness to light, from death to life. And for some of us, it does feel like a decision that we made. But often when we look back, we can see how God was at work drawing us in, graciously working to soften our hearts and open our eyes to the light and life of Jesus. For people like Jack, sometimes it comes as a later realisation. I'm a Christian now. For some, it's more like a moment that they can see it happening. God makes us his children by the work of his spirit. And if you're wondering if it is you, or hoping it might be, all you need to do is ask God to work in you and bring you from death to life. He will be delighted to open your eyes and help you to see now, if you realise suddenly, too, that you believe in Jesus and his words and you didn't know that, well, guess what? Somewhere along the line, you joined the family. And once we have this new identity and we're God's children and Jesus is our brother, well, then we're called to join in the Spirit's work of reorienting our lives accordingly and to develop our true star potential. The last two weeks, we've been declaring that Jesus is the light of the world. But there's a little verse that we had at the beginning of the service from Matthew 5, where Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And in that passage from Philippians, Paul talks about this. He expands it. He draws a line from who Jesus is to who we are becoming as kids in God's family. God's children are called to shine, to be distinctive. But the goal is to draw attention to Jesus and not to ourselves. Like the star that guided the wise men to the baby Jesus, we are to be shining lights that guide others who are seeking him here in our context today so that they might come and worship him too.
Now, a bit naughty earlier on, I bloody blood the beginning of the passage. Terrible, terrible. Uh, so we should go back and have a look at the context. Because it tells us how we become these shining stars. And when I was originally planning the series, I thought that this sermon would be more about speaking the good news of the gospel to other people. And certainly that's what Jesus commissioned his disciples to do at the end of the gospels. And Paul says here, you are to shine among them like stars as you hold firmly to the word of life. It is a given that the church is on about sharing the good news of Jesus with others. But actually what Paul is saying in this passage is, that what makes us shine isn't evangelism. It's who we are as we do that and who we are as we be God's family, his church together. So what does he say? Be humble and be unified. That's what Paul says. And as he says it, he actually sounds a bit like a parent disciplining children. I don't know if you noticed at the end, he says... Keep being obedient and do everything without grumbling or arguing. And you have to think, he's got to be saying that because that's what they're doing. Grumbling and arguing. And we get hints about that later in the letter. Now, he could have gone deep into that and said, and this is how you'd stop doing that. You learn to listen to each other. You consider other viewpoints. You count to ten before you speak and you take a time out if you need to. But he doesn't do that. What does he do? Instead, he says, come on, let's take a long look at Jesus. Let's look at him and remember who we're following and who we're becoming like. And that's actually why I'm so glad we're doing this sermon together as two congregations, because the call to humble service and unity is good for us to hear as a whole church. Um, I read the AGM reports this week. I hope you've done that and you're getting ready for Wednesday. I'm always encouraged by our reports and, you know, deeply grateful to have been part of our church for nine years. And I look forward to our AGMs because, by and large, we've got a good track record of being unified and staying on track. But it occurred to me this week as I was reading the different reports that being a church-planting church heightens the potential for division among us and competition too. And the old ways of self-interest can kick in. And let me be the first to admit that I have felt that from time to time in the last couple of years. There's a whole other church over here. And Peter, I don't know if you noticed in the report, is encouraging us to plant a third one. Will we get our fair share at Clifton Hill? That is the question I sometimes ask, which is not a bad question, but the temptation is for me to ask that in a way that is self-serving, right? To want to shine on my own, you know, for people to notice us and me leading, to seek our own glory. For any of us to be part of church, Um, to lead or to be serving in one way or another, we need to examine our motives. And look, the best way to do it is to look at Jesus. So let's do that all together now, exactly as Paul did with the Philippians. Let's go to verse 5. He says, 
in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Can you see that Jesus lays down his power for us? Now, we might have some power in this world, but Jesus was in very nature God. And to become a human was to become nothing in comparison to being the Lord of the universe. Are we able to lay down our power for one another? Can we want what's best for other people before our own interests? Paul continues, being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We cannot forget how Jesus has served us. This is the foundation, isn't it, of our life together. And as we gaze at his sacrifice on the cross, the radical humility of Jesus, his obedience to God, his seeking the good of others, even when it's so costly personally. It cuts us. And it begins to make sense to us that this is how we too are to live. As we look at Jesus, as we gaze upon him, the spirit works in us and it takes root in our hearts and our humble service grows. Let's not forget the little bit at the end there. Because of his humble service, God exalts Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is why we're here this is what we do together. We have come to believe in the humble servant God and we have become perpetual worshippers of him. And as we learn from him, as we humble ourselves, we also share in his glory. The more we look, the more we remember, the more it makes sense. It makes sense to live in imitation of Jesus. His humility and service of us his obedience to God inspire us. They re he redirects us. Can you imagine a church? Can you imagine a world filled with this kind of life-giving humanity, the life-giving humanity of Jesus? Let the Holy Spirit stir in us and transform us more and more into his likeness. Well, as we do this, as we worship Jesus and humility makes its home within us, 
the call to unity becomes easier. And the fact that Paul um, spells out, do everything without grumbling or arguing, strangely comforts me. It wasn't easy then. It's not always easy now to be family. You just have to join a community group, serve people at morning tea, and you will have your patience tested. You can ask anyone on the staff team, and they will tell you how annoying I can be. Yeah, you get close to people. It's hard to be unified, but, you know, we are works in progress. Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are changing. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So don't give up. The temptation to create cliques or division in our community will come. If ever you need to start over, to confess or make peace, do it. It's a normal part of family life. We are not expected to be perfect, but to cooperate with the God who is working in us to transform our hearts and minds. And let's do it now, brothers and sisters. This Advent, this Christmas, let's just be captivated by the baby in the manger. Let's wonder at the creator the creator who comes in humility to serve and save us. Let him inspire us to stardom. The beautiful thing is when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, you are like a town on a hill, what he's saying is this is not an individual project. We do this together And maybe you've been out in the countryside on a dark night and seen the Milky Way or a constellation of stars. Beautiful. That is to be us here in the dark world in inner North Melbourne. To shine as humble servants of one another and obedient to our Heavenly Father. I wanted to finish just by saying how fascinated I've been lately by the way mission in our church is developing. You know, we uh, really care a lot about teenagers. We're emphasising youth ministry. At the Fairfield meeting that was here recently, I kept hearing this desire of people to be involved in local community in very ordinary ways during the week. At Clifton Hill, we've been leaning into being good neighbours to residents in aged care just across the road, and we had our first intergenerational playgroup there on Thursday. These are not glamorous, self-seeking, lucrative acts of service, and they encourage me. I hope they encourage you. The community lunch that Peter started recently looks to the world a very humble offering, I think. There's no great promotion strategy or fancy food, but it speaks of Jesus who sat at tables and took time to eat with all kinds of people, offering love and grace. As we get on cultivating this kind of life in our community, I suspect we'll see more people drawn to the light of Jesus. And as we come to the table together in a moment, let it remind you Let it captivate you at the thought of Jesus serving us too. 
Let me pray. Lord, let your light shine in us, on us and through us. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to rejoice in him, to become more like him, to be people of peace and bearers of good news. Amen. And would you stand and sing? And we're going to remind ourselves with our whole body.